Hope you got your bone zones out because this is a sexual one. <laughs> what does that even mean? Your bone zone is your inner erotic feelings. Oh, see, my friends and I use bone zone as like a no, way it's of- it's never meant inner erotic feelings before. Okay. I'm sure whatever you what you're about to say, what it's you, just like re- they went really, into, yeah, he really took me down to bone zone. Yeah, we went into the bone zone. It usually means sex, so it yes. doesn't make any sense. All I'm saying is we talk a lot about sex. We answer some questions. We have some fun. Yeah, this is uh, it's it's funny that it took 29 episodes for us to really have one where we talk a lot about sex. I think that's, yeah, that's just very true. indicative of where we are in our lives. And Jay in it. Um, um, guys, this is an always free podcast. As we always say, it means so much. If you want to show your support, people reach out all the time. I always tell them the best way is to try a Pete's pick. First one, the old standard. Al- you hear that? Alpha brand. <laughs> Hear that sweet, sweet jingle jangle. (laughs) I had a pitch today. I took a couple. It really helped. It really did. I was feeling kind of foggy. Mm -hmm. It's not like coffee. It's not a stimulant. It's just earth-grown ingredients. It's called a nootropic that helps with memory and focus. For me personally, I haven't done a podcast. I haven't written a script. I haven't done stand-up. Well, I haven't done stand-up in a year, but I've never done stand-up without taking Alpha Brain beforehand. It is an incredible, I really mean this, secret weapon for my creativity, for my productivity, for my focus, for my memory, for my writing, for my performing, uh, and for doing the show. Yeah. And anything that you're doing that involves your brain, really, I implore you, try it. Not just to support the show, but I think it, it really helps people. I got the writer's room. I'm crashing on it. A lot of them still use it, which is incredible. You got my mom on it. Your mom loves it. On it. She's on it. I always have it in the, my pockets. I always have it in the car. I have it in my bag, my travel bag, uh, everywhere I go. I love Alpha Brain. The best way to know if it works for you is to give it a try, and you get 10% off just for being a weirdo. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you'll get 10% off anything you see on that landing page, and get your noodle noodling. That's a new one I've never said. <laughs> Val and I. Val and I. <laughs> Val, Val and I love. Have also been using liquid IV. Liquid IV. Liquid IV, the hydration jump starter. I also made that up. Get to your hydration station with liquid IV. I like That's making good. up. Get to your hydration station with liquid IV for 2021 after so much hibernating. Both of us have been trying to be more active. We're both using our sauna a lot. And, of course, a big part of both of those things is staying hydrated. And I, we've both just started using uh, doing that with the help of my new favorite hydration product, Liquid IV. Say the hydration station thing. Liquid IV, the hydration station. It's a wonderful part of my sauna routine. Of course, using a sauna is hugely dehydrating, as is hiking. Great for after workouts. They have a lot of testimonials that it helps with hangovers. It's also just great when I'm sitting down to work and I want my body and my brain running smoothly and clearly. Hydration, hydration, hydration. It's one of the best secrets to overall wellness and a clear, sharp mind. With one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water, you get two to three times the amount of hydration as plain water. 
Two to three times. That means fewer pee breaks and two to three times as much hydration. One serving of liquid IV pervades. uh, Yep, it says it twice. I don't know why it says it twice. (laughs) It contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. In your face, banana. So you're drinking like three glasses of water while getting an apple and a banana. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) So, of course, it's going to be great for for more than just uh, hydration. It's good for your energy. Healthier than sugary sports drinks. There's no artificial flavors or preservatives, and there's less sugar than an apple. In your face, apple! Stupid apple! (laughs) Made with clean ingredients, it's non-GMO, it's vegan, there's no gluten, dairy, or soy. They also have wonderful flavors, it tastes incredible. Watermelon, lemon lime, passion fruit, which is Val's favorite. My fave, love the passion fruit. And they just launched strawberry, which is like a fresh Ripe, juicy Ooh, strawberry. Excited to try that one. With a little bit of whipped cream in it. Oh, Amazing. unexpected. What makes Liquid IV so effective is CTT, cellular transport technology, an optimum ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium that delivers water and nutrients into the bloodstream. It's the perfect balance to help you hydrate more quickly and effectively than water alone. And they're a wonderful give back company. With every purchase you make, they donate a serving to someone in need around the world. Disaster zones hospitals, impoverished communities, Mm. even COVID-19 first responders, food banks, veterans, active military. As of 2021, they've donated 10 million servings. So they're a great company and they make a great product and it tastes fantastic. So get some strawberry liquid IV and get hydrated faster and other great flavors in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WEIRD at checkout. That's 24% already 25 it's because you go so fast well that's 25 (laughs) percent off anything you order when you use promo code weird at liquidiv.com that's what i better hydration today at liquidiv.com promo code weird hydration show yep show your support of this podcast last but not least have you noticed my smooth smooth face yes i have they haven't because it's a podcast but we are back in business with harry's Harry's is the maker and the shipper of the best razors I've ever used. For years, I've been paying way too much to go with the big guys. Got to go to a CVS. Got to track down the manager with his magic key to open that little (laughs) jewelry case where the precious blades are. I hated doing that. And I can honestly say that not only are Harry's blades as good as, but they're even better. They contour to my face in a smooth, easy motion. And you can feel how sharp and effective the blades are. Spots I usually have to go two to three times over, I can shave just once. And be done with it. Love it. Just tell me the name of the movie you want to see. <laughs> you said it like sign like Harry. <laughs> for a limited time, Harry's is offering their starter set plus a free body wash for just three bucks at harrys.com slash weird. Of course, that's the appeal is you're paying less. But I'm here to say you're getting an even better product. Just three bucks for the starter set. And refills are just, uh, let me see, where does it say? I think it's just two bucks a refill. We'll get to it. Yep, it's two bucks a refill. They deliver a close, comfortable shave at a fair price. They believe in quality so much. They bought their own factory in Germany so they could own every step of the process. How do they do it? They combined a simple 
it's, can you say this word for me? Ergonomic. Can, yeah, ergonomic design with five sharp <laughs> blades. They source their steel from Sweden and manufacture their blades in a world-class blade factory. And their German factory is one of the few manufacturers in the world that have mastered the technology to create the Gothic arch. That's where it's re- really thick on one end and it gets thinner and thinner and thinner and sharp and very thin on the other end. It's the Ooh. golden standard for blade grinding. 100% quality guarantee. They stand behind the quality of their blades so much. They have a 100% money-back guarantee on harrys.com. So, show your support. If you're shaving something, you can show your support for this podcast for a limited time. Harry's has an exclusive offer offer for weirdos. New customers can get a Harry... Sorry. Brody distracted me. Harry's <laughs> so easy, huh? starter set and a free body wash for just $3. It seems like a misprint. Wow. At harrys.com slash weird. That's a, over a $16 value for just 3 bucks. You'll get a five-blade razor that I love with a weighted handle, gel, travel cover, travel size body wash. It's an incredibly great deal, but act fast while, supri- <laughs> while supplies last. You say this. Go to harrys.com slash weird to redeem your offer. And show, show your, your support, support of, of this, this podcast. podcast. <laughs> That's what it's called. Show your, your support, support of, of this podcast. podcast. That's it, guys. Enjoy. We made it weird. 29. 29. Remember when we were like, we'll just do it and see like how many we want to do. And it's almost been 30. I know. It's crazy. Which means it's been... That's many, many months. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Divided by four. Wow, yeah. It's like seven months. Holy Jesus. <laughs> Get into it. Chibidi, chibidi, cha, chibidi, 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 cha, 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 chu. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that would be funny to put in like classic songs like Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah, but put in a bunch of like, <gasps> like, like all the stuff they probably added like out. That's like you know we love these videos. I don't like. I think it was called Shreds. Shreds, dude. We love Shreds. Oh, where they put in the. Yeah, it's like something shreds or whatever, but where they like overdub the bad singing yeah. for people. Yeah. We love that more than anything. And I feel like that's a. Uh, they yeah. do that. Do they, they? Do, I, well, I don't know. That's something they could do. Is that yeah, what that's saying? what I was going to say. They could add that to the, the mix. I don't know if they're still making new ones. But new shreds. New shreds. Let's I mean, watch some of those. Let's literally stop what we're doing right now and, and watch, watch some this. shreds. I, the Backstreet Boys one is really good. That one makes me laugh really hard. That one's the best. When, whenever people get stoned, when I've been stoned and people show me things that people like to watch when they're stoned, it's it's almost never what I'm looking for. I don't know why. Like if it's awkward or like strange. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't like anything when I'm stoned except being funny, like talking and joking around. Yeah. But if you like watch something, it, it complete like you're not even... You're you're stoned, but you're not high. You're just like conked out in like kung fu hustle or something, and it yeah. just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, there. I mean, I think people um, in will laugh harder at that silly thing. Yeah, I, they, that's happened, but, but one out of a hundred for me. Yeah, it really for you in general. It ignites a sort of mania, a, ch- a childlike mania. That's um, wasted on watching a movie. Yeah, where you yeah. you want like exactly what you said. You want to be able to just like 
Well, your brain is acting differently, so it's so much more fun, especially if you're like you're kind of stupider and all these different things. Yeah. So like to catch those moments, and you love those moments more than anything, of like a mistake or confusion. Yeah. You get those by talking. Yeah. So I don't know. One of the things I was going to say up top is uh, I am still doing the juice thing. I'm mm-hmm. only I've only been drinking juices day green juice. Not like cranberry juice cocktail. <laughs> it's uh, day 11 or day something. Day 10. Day 10. Yeah, nice okay. try. Nice try. Nice try. Nice try. <laughs> Two things. One, I, I, whenever I Google it, only insane people do this. I tried to find some solidarity. Yeah. yeah. And every like blog or vlog I found about it, I was like, these people seem insane. <laughs> uh, so maybe I need to take a look at that. And two... <laughs> The phenomenon of accountability really struck me because there were a couple times. The first week was uh, a little bit harder than 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 this. The second week, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't that bad, it's actually pretty pleasant. Mm-hmm. I, I said to Val, I sort of feel like hollow bamboo. Yeah. Like all of the as you yawn, all of the energy that's spent on like digesting or thinking about eating or planning eating is just completely gone. So I feel very light and free and I'm breathing clean and sleeping clean and yeah. every everything is, is better in so many ways. But like when I was tempted, I thought about how I mentioned on this podcast that I was doing it for two weeks. So whenever I was seriously considering eating something, I was like, well, I don't want to come on this podcast, the one we're recording right now, yeah. and be like, I gave up, which is a is, is sort of a Christian yeah. thing. But it's also, I think it has to be like a workout fitness thing. Mm. And it made me start thinking about, I wanted to ask you, Val, the times in your life where you've asked someone to keep you accountable about something. Because <laughs> mine is really short, but like I had my friend John Arelli um, who's a pastor now, actually, I asked him to put parental blocks on my AOL browser. Yeah. And I wasn't even looking at porn. I was just looking at like bikini photos and stuff. Yeah. But like it was causing me to stumble uh-huh. as is the lingo. Uh huh. And I, I gave him the password and, uh, I, I finally talked him out of it. Because it was true, it blocked everything. Yeah. But then as soon as I unblocked it, I just gorged. It really is that like binge, purge, binge, purge sort of thing. Yeah. Um, But are there times in your life where you had to say, can you keep me accountable on that? Oh my God. Well, it's so funny that you you ask that because... um, I just recently asked my it's it's very aligned with what with the juice fast and the wellness program that I'm doing because I actually just asked my therapist Dal's not doing a juice fast she's doing a wellness program yeah um, so I'm just I'm just eating a lot of things that are really good for you you know how we can make this more relatable it's for people who go off sugar basically yeah both of what we're doing the thing that has in common yeah is no sugar no carbs so even if this sounds completely in outer space i'm sure most people listening have tried to eat less sugar and you know what that feels like yes exactly oh so much well and i want to say that i am doing no sugar at least for the first three weeks of it because it's a 10-week program uh but i am 
I got a little bit of brown rice yesterday and like I'm this It was is, so sad you went. <laughs> I get brown rice tonight. <laughs> you have to look away. When I'm like, now I'm gonna put half an avocado in my juice and I get excited. I put a little salt in it. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, you're like you have to abandon everyone else's understanding of life. I know, but it is weird how like you, your brain does, your tastes do change. That's why we're going so hardcore, just very temporarily. And I have so much that I want to say about this. And I said it last week too. Like I just found out that eating disorders um, have been like raised. The amount of eating disorders has been raised since the pandemic, which I totally understand. So like, please, if you struggle with that in any way, um, do do what's healthy yeah, somebody, and right. Somebody flagged that, and we were like, "This is sort of not so behavior." Yeah, and we're doing it so temporarily for, and again, Pete's doing something more extreme for a shorter period of time. Mine is actually not even that extreme. It just is a, a light shift in trying to not eat sugar and garbage. From but, where I'm sitting, it looks like you're at the Golden Corral. Yeah, I, I am. Like, <laughs> I am. I feel... Uh, yeah, I saw the feels, muffins you made. I smelled them. Oh, that, so that's good. actually misleading. I, 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 sorry to interrupt, but I'm just like, I'm not having cravings. It's a really... It's also very psychedelic. Yeah. We'll get into that. Finish your thing. Yeah. So the accountability is tied to that because I actually asked my therapist when I told her I was going to do this program I was like I I would like and I said <laughs> I said sorry to use this Christian language but I would like to be held accountable You did? Yeah. Uh I Whoa. I was like I don't want this not accountable for sticking with the program uh, accountable for not turning this into some sort of if not eating disorder, just like very nuts. rigid and another thing to get down on myself about. Another addiction. You're another, just addicted to this other extreme. Yeah, yeah. I said, I and I want my motivation for this to stay what it is, which is to love my body by giving it the foods that it wants and to, um, you know, just to not interfere too much with my hormones and thing and my you know things that affect my mental health. So um well you were noticing really starkly how what you eat was affecting what how you were feeling. Yeah. And your hormones are regulating how you're feeling. Yeah. And you told me today on our walk that you were like I'm feeling much more balanced and a lot more equanimity. Yeah. And like we we're like oh is it the stars is it this is it that and you're like no it's you've taken out all of these strange things that do who knows what. It's like rolling a die yeah. in your feeling system. Yeah. and Your so, endocrine system. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And some of the things we do know exactly, like sugar does fuck up your endocrine system, so it messes with your hormones. And then, you know, basically I was feeling as mood swingy this whole year as I did when I was pregnant. And it was like, yeah, you were really messing with your hormones. Mm. Um, so I do feel a lot more balanced. And um, and anyway, it was just so funny that you said you asked that because I, I can't really think of another example where I asked someone to hold me accountable That's for crazy. something. But I do think it was that word was just so in the like frequent 
uses of of all Christians when we were, were it in that still world. makes my skin crawl but yeah. it's crazy because it works especially for an achiever like me yeah but that leads to the binge purge too yeah as I'm doing this podcast I'm like well now I really have to be on alert because now you got to do the podcast and say you're still doing it luckily my motivations for this aren't just to impress anybody. Yeah. Uh, did you have something else? It looked like you had something else. Well, I was just going to say, I do. I think it was most often used for boys and their sexuality. And yeah. the reason why we didn't have it as much was because A we were often the ones that were the accountability holders. Yeah. Like we, you know, we were the ones that Which had to Which is a stop. kink. To ask a girl oh. to keep you accountable? Yeah, and it's it was just kink. an understanding of like, and I've talked about this before. It's also a kink to ask Fonz to keep me accountable. Yeah. I'm not saying there was sexual energy towards him. Yeah. I'm saying it, the whole thing. It's like, thing, mother, may I come now? <laughs> it is. I'm telling you, like, Michael Gunger really turned me on to the idea that so many things are kinky. Mm. Not necessarily sexually kinky, but they're like... These weird stews that we make, these swirling emotions, we play with the energy yeah. of shame yeah. to please ourselves. Yeah. So what did I say? I, I would ask Fonz to keep me accountable. I'd think of a way out of it. I didn't have anything going on. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I didn't have a job. I, didn't, I wasn't struggling at school, meaning I didn't take academics seriously enough to stress out about it. <laughs> so I was just like a bored kid. Yeah. So I made a soap opera of my own design, which sure. is, is Pete going to look at porn? Is he going to jerk off? And these are body things, so it's so much easier to activate the shame. And then you get other people involved. And then as soon as I broke out of it, I found a way to weasel out of it, then you binge. Yep. Like it, it's, I've said it a million times. It's why I feel like repressed, sexually repressed people. I'm not going to say they have the best sex, but they definitely have very high highs and very low lows. Yeah. So all of the like, as I used to confessing to my ex-wife, I looked at porn today and I feel terrible, which I was modeled for me. Yeah. In like guys only sermons in my youth group. Uh-huh. Like I just had to tell my wife I had done this and I felt bad. So I was doing what they did. Yep. It's a kink. It, yeah. it, it was the low of the heroin and the high of the cocaine yeah. was, the, I've said that so many times. Speedball. No, it's It was true. a speedball. Yeah. And yeah. it was informing the other. It, it's like, if I was, I know people that stop smoking weed for a month, so they get really high. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Yeah. That's not what I'm doing with this juice thing, by the way. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's actually, no. <laughs> yeah. It would be so funny if I broke the fast with a hot fudge sundae. That's, that's it actually. just farted so big. It really. <laughs> California Lila explodes. farted so big today. On the toilet. I was like, it's still going? Really? <laughs> it was so crazy. And yeah. then she laughed. Yeah. Uh, that's actually really related to this reading that I was going to uh, do. I'd I'm, love to hear it. Okay. I'm reading this fantastic book. I'm reading two fantastic books. But um, the one that I'm going to read from is called You Belong by Sabine Selassie. She's like a great... Uh, a very popular contributor to 10% the podcast. I thought it was um, 10% happier. Maybe it is, yeah. Um, and I'm trying to find it. So she has a great chapter on, I haven't finished the book, but it's an, I, I know enough to be able to fully recommend it. Uh, You're over halfway. She, I've recommended books based on the foreword. 
Um, she has a great chapter on embodiment. It's called Ground Yourself. And then there's this really great section of that called The Erotic as Power. And it almost made me, as I was reading it, I was like, I kind of regretted what we were saying on the, I mean, I look, what's beautiful about this podcast is that we just kind of are completely transparent, um, in it's meaning you get whatever we're feeling at the time. Mm. Uh, but it almost made me regret how last week we were like, what's the big deal about sex? Sex is not like we were just kind of downplaying sex. If you remember, we were like, Oh, just talking about that. It's not the like priority of my life. Yeah. Which is, is still true, but this was just kind of got me back in touch with like what the gifts are of it. And, um, and like looking at it in a different way, because of course there are a thousand different ways to look at sex. Um, can I just say we did it on the Pete Holmes show, we did this thing. We were trying to prove your point, kind mm-hmm. of, that you can sort of make any point. What we did was we did dogs are the worst and cats are the best. And then we did cats are the worst, dogs are the best. Uh-huh. And it wasn't that deep, but the point was that's what we do. You have an opinion and you can argue that one. But if you want to talk about how sex is the greatest, yeah, I, I could talk about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. We were just in the other mode. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to say. So anyway, this is this is a section where she talks about, and I haven't read it, but there's a um, there's an essay by Audre Lorde called "Uses of the Erotic: The Erotic uh, as Power," and um, and so this is just like a little chunk from it. Chunk from that essay that's in this book. Chunk it up. <laughs> um. And she also is very clear on this, that she's like, it's not about, it's not just sex. The erotic isn't about sex, but it's not not about sex, is how she puts it. Okay. Um, And this is the definition that she gives before I get into the Audre Lorde section. The erotic is embodied awareness with an attention to joy, to savoring every moment, not for stimulation, but for liberation. See, just that, what you read me about this book, I know I've talked about being off porn a million times because basically I'm constantly trying to go off porn, uh-huh. but like so many things, it is addictive. Yeah. Um, that, that sounds like I'm doing it all the time. It's not a, yeah. a huge part of my life, but occasionally under stress, it's this thing I'll resort to. Mm-hmm. And you reading that part to me, I was like, Porn is again. This is an anti-porn. I know there's there's people that don't want that either. Yeah, and I don't want to go to that extreme either. I've lived so much of my life in that extreme. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm just saying for me, just going for stimulation or stress relief, sort of using the sophisticated samurai sword that is eroticism. Yeah, that is sexuality and the, all of the spirit and all of the life and all of the connection mm-hmm. and all of the joy mm-hmm. that's associated with that beautiful samurai blade and just using it to like scratch my ass. Yeah. That's sort of what it can feel like. Well, I would I would also argue that potentially or pose the question like I I think those are two different things. Like it's they're both sexual, but I don't even know if if based on this if I would use it's not erotic. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
But it's using it's using what could have been an erotic energy. Yes. Even that doesn't just mean having sex with you. Yeah. That just means like letting it live in me. Yeah. And be an energy. This is what Rhonda says. It's like an energy that you could use other ways. You're sort of and that's big in Chinese medicine as well. Yeah, the chi. Or and also I think you can masturbate in an erotic way. Yeah. And you can maybe even masturbate in a, in a, with porn in an erotic way. But I know what you mean just because we've talked about this so much and I have my own version of this of the like this is just a a thing I have to it's like the same part of your brain that would like get take a chocolate cake out of the refrigerator. I was going to say it's food. Go it's it. the yeah. same thing as going I'm starving, I'm bored, I'm lonely. I'm just yeah. going to eat this chocolate cake I'm mindlessly. I'm just going to push a feel good button. Cuz yeah. I remember telling you about a time that I looked at porn. It wasn't in a confession way. We were just chatting. And I hadn't looked at porn in a really long time. Mm -hmm. And then I did. And it was deeply erotic. It wasn't even like, it was not, I I don't know why I'm specifying. The content wasn't hardcore or anything crazy. Yeah. And I was like so dropped into the the rush. And it was so novel and intense. And it wasn't taboo or shameful. Yeah. And it was really delightful. And then I was like, huh. But that, that's where it gets me. Then the next time I go back, and it wasn't. Yeah. It was like, it was chocolate cake again. Right. Mindless chocolate cake. It's the same with chocolate cake. Yeah. Sometimes chocolate cake is like, holy fuck, we're alive. We're eating chocolate cake. Yes. That's how I felt. Not to overshare. It's, I don't often say that on this. But that really good porn experience mm-hmm. was actually like, I can't believe I live in a world where I want to see something that looks like this, and I can. Yeah. It almost felt like like Greco-Roman. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I have this desire. Like abundance. I live in a world where if you have it, you can get it. And holy shit. And I was in my body. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was glorious. So there, we've just did dogs and cats with porn. Mm-hmm. But so often it's cats and not dogs for me. Yeah, absolutely. And all of this is always just like, maybe sometimes you are just scratching an itch, but it's trying to like take the moment of pausing and doing everything more mindfully like yeah. no, noting what when is happening well, I, I don't think it mind well I, I won't say who told me but somebody told me that he was like I tried to masturbate mindfully mm-hmm. he was like what does it feel like to be in my body what does yeah. it feel like to to touch my own body and all this stuff and I tried to do it and it completely ruined it for me. Wow. And then I noticed that when this is over, when I masturbate, I'm often like clenched in my face. There's no, there's no presence. It's completely escapism. Yep. Literally my face is like, it seemed like a stand-up bit. Like my face is like, (laughs) "Eh, I wish you could see my face. I look like Gilbert Gottfried. I'm like, ah, (laughs) just like getting it over with. Right. And it was too challenging to go like, no, be your body masturbating. I was like, I don't want to be my body mas- wow. masturbating. Oh, so there was still some of that shame. It's like, like an, absolutely. And, and that's, that's a very, it's like the times I've tried to masturbate when I've been on a, a low dose of a non-spe- non-specified drug experience. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to make any sense. You're like, cause you're so in reality. Yeah. I have, so, how many bits do I have about jerking off and how kind of strange it is. Yeah. And that really is addressing that cognitive dissonance where I'm doing it, but I'm also like, 
clearly not entirely at peace with it. Yeah. And that's where the porn comes in. It's like, here, this will get it uh, done with. and It's like, it, oh, wow. There's so many parallels. Like, it's like eating in front of the TV. Yes. You are not, you're like, this is kind of an event. Uh, um, it's, you know, it's, it's taking me out of my body so I can just eat as much as I want. Yep. Uh, it's making me dissociate so I don't have to deal with the shame of eating way too much. Yep. It, and I don't even mean this in a phallic way. It's like nobody wants to eat a hot dog mindfully. I know there's a penis hot dog joke. I just mean like <laughs> we all know hot dogs are the go-to for like the food that you don't want to think about how they made it. Right. And But it would be like sitting at your dining room table with candles lit and fine cloth napkins and silverware and a plate and eating a hot dog and really chewing it and savoring it. That's not how we eat hot dogs. And so often porn can just be a hot dog at the ball game. Yes. As opposed to, you're absolutely right. Like, what does it feel like to be eating this and to be mindful of it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I do think that, um, you know, male masturbation for a lot of reasons, some of them are, are understandable, but in general, male masturbation actually kind of has worse PR than female masturbation. Um, oh, yeah. Right? Because I I can, I don't, was, I don't always, but like, I don't, I don't look at porn, not in a judgmental way. I used to, but like, I tried a couple times after having Leela and I, it just wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's like, because I'm a mommy now. I think it's because I, I'm, I have, I wasn't embodied before. Yeah. And, um, and it's actually very easy for me to, to not look at porn uh, or to, to masturbate (laughs) because I can really get into that erotic place where I'm like my beautiful female body, my, like the flower of my vagina. Yeah. Like I can, and I like can really, you know, like feel even my fingertips and the, you know. Yeah. Um, That's an erotic, that's eating the hot dog at the table. Yeah. There was a comedian, Merritt Gurley, who had a very funny bit about the difference between if you walk in on a guy jerking off, it's horrible yeah. and, and uh, embarrassing. Yeah. And then uh, she was like, if you walk in on me masturbating, it's like, oops, you caught me being hot. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was a very good bit. Yeah. I, and I remember really thinking about that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And I do think I, I would say that the whole trying to masturbate erotically for you might be a, uh, I'm not telling you what to do, but like that might be something to not give up on. Like 40 year old virgin. No, I, I know what you mean. Just because clearly there is, there's the, the Christian shame around it. You have such a loaded way more than I do such a loaded history of shame around masturbation specifically. Uh, and there's the like cultural just distaste for it. And I also think there's physiological shame, uh, pooping, barfing, throwing, uh, throwing up is the same thing. And men ejaculate. Mm. I read this interesting book about, uh, pornography many years ago and they hypothesized that one of the reasons why men like pornography is because they have an unconscious shame mm. that something sort of 
I'm not saying it's gross, but something potentially gross mm-hmm. is like expelling from your wanger. Yeah. And then in porn, that is like the most celebrated, mm-hmm. yay, mm-hmm. do it here, do it here, it's happening. Yeah. How much like verbal confirmation and, and visual confirmation that it's like this wonderful thing. Yeah. So they were saying that that was like salving this like primal Oh no! Because so, one of the reasons why female masturbation is less ta- uh, in certain ways, mm-hmm. I know that girls have gotten it. Yes, I mean, like it wasn't even a thing. I feel like in the eighties. <laughs> I mean, it was, but yeah, nobody talked about it. Yeah. Like it was just like girls don't do that. So mm-hmm. please don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about now yes. in this conversation in this context. Yeah, there's no cleanup. Yeah. Richard Lewis, when I was opening for him, had this great bit about like, if I could masturbate with no cleanup, I'd be masturbating all the time. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. Yeah. The reason why guys aren't masturbating in the car is because there's a mess. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? I mean, other than like, it's not entirely decent. I understand. There's reasons other than that. But like, sometimes it does come down to like, just, ugh, it's yuck. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's so much here because, and it goes back to what you were saying about repressed, you know, you didn't say repressed people have the best sex, but like there are these different ideas of sex and we, Christianity and I'll say purity culture, um, really, I, I hope they're starting to figure out that they are doing the opposite of what they are intending, which is like, I mean, rape culture, pornographic culture, meaning like this kind of unhealthy dominating idea, which I know isn't all porn, but it's so much of porn. Um, All of that, I think, stems from sexual repression. Mm. And so you have this sexual repression sex where it's like, yeah, I'm dirty. I'm bad. We shouldn't be doing this. This is this is wrong. This is bad. And, of course, to remedy the shame of I'm doing something bad, there's going to be this, like, like hyper-masculine kind of, like, I take what I want. I'm doing it anyway. Mm. Um, not to mention, the, the, like, the patriarchal elements within Christianity. Um, so it, it's tied to this idea, I think, of... Um, of like dominating. I, I wish I had this more formed out, but. Well, I'm thinking about like sexual violence, you know, not just, not just uh, the big ones, yeah, but like the flashers, you know, like yeah. guys anatomy is yes. so gross. So it leads to like, of course that comes from shame, not just guys in trench coat. Of course. Yeah. These yeah. aren't like balanced yeah. <laughs> sexually people or whatever. Yeah, or even like jerking off in front of people who don't want you to jerk off in front of them. Like right. and getting off on that idea right. is like I is it's like incorporating and enfolding your shame into your sexual experience. Right. And then so it's kind of like not to just give it I would say and that's overly masculine sex. So it's not I'm not saying male, but I am saying uh, you know, if there's not a balance of masculine and feminine, yeah, uh, that could be what happens. That's like toxic masculinity sex. Well, that, yeah, 
And then she talks about, and I'll read it too, like the erotic being this more feminine idea, but like that's, so uh, going back to that type of masculine sex, of course, there's a huge spectrum, everything from jerking off in front of somebody who doesn't want you to, to just what a lot of us are doing and have done of like traditional gender roles in sex kind of being mentally somewhere else, women dissociating from their bodies. Well, my Gilbert Gottfried face while masturbating is often what a lot of people are doing uh, in the bedroom. That's right. Yeah. Like eyes clutched shut, thinking about other circumstances, sure. not being there, wh- women not being in their bodies. Well, women not feeling not- free to go like, what does this actually feel like? Yes, like, exactly. Sort of like hippie sex, like really embodied and like present and like right. not looking away from what you're doing. Right. Sort of like Russell Brand's character and I imagine Russell Brand, he seems like a very free person, but yeah. Russell Brand's character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall is, like, not ashamed. Yes. And that can be so... But, like, I think a lot of us, you know, might be having sex kind of looking the other way. Yeah. On their own bodies. Right. Yeah. Or doing the... Yeah, these things that we built in to incorporate our shame. Like, if the shame's going to be here, then I'm going to make it part of this. I mean, Katie Fischel, her wonderful Instagram account, Sex is Weird, there's underscores, sex underscore is underscore weird. So many stories of weird sexual encounters from her, from other people that seem to like, just go like, oh, wow, we're dealing with a huge Mm. emotional storm, Mm -hmm. different climates. There's nice climates and stormy climates and rainy ones and hailing ones. Where, like, the the punchline, and I, I use that term very loosely, the reveal. Uh, it, how many stories have you heard where normal guy, normal guy, normal guy, normal guy, strange, strange, strange finale in the bedroom? Yeah. And it's really, it's, it's, she makes it very funny, but it's also troubling. Yeah. And it speaks to a sort of unreconciled inner world that's, that I'm sort of, my version of that is like, is is my Gilbert Gottfried face when I'm masturbating, but obviously it has all these multiple uh, applications. Yeah, and and I think it comes up probably for all of us in a lot of multiple, like a lot of different ways. And it, I don't think it can be as simple as this, but I do think it's largely just that it is the mo- if you're doing it in this other way, this erotic way. Um, it's the most vulnerable you can get. Right. You're like naked externally and internally. If mm. you are fully present, if you are completely in your body, if you are, um, you know, speaking your truth and saying what feels good and what doesn't, like that's so vulnerable. It like most people can't bear it. Right. Um, that's that's ex- that's exactly what it is. Mm. If pornography for me is a placeholder for being honest and looking at myself and open with myself mm-hmm. and um, free, mm-hmm. then it's not serving me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah. S- speaking of showing your, your ding-dong and all that sort of stuff, in, in the <laughs> Christian world, that was 
kind of a thing. Like it would be a bigger issue. Yeah. If you told someone they were going to burn in eternity for their urges, of course that's going to happen. Yeah. It did, I wouldn't say it was rampant. And in fact, I, there was an instance that I mentioned in my book that I ended up, I was wrong about that. I actually ended up talking to that person about it. I wrote about it in Comedy Sex God that somebody did something and they were like, oh, I had a, a, a mental illness. Yeah. And they were so sweet. We're still friends. I love yeah. this person. Um, and they were so gracious in correcting me. Mm. But uh, since then, we were just talking about, remember, there was there was somebody that we knew that never masturbated. Yeah. And then they would like casually, this, this wasn't, this is a third hand story, but mention like that they went through a phase where they would just show people their penis and stuff. And like, yeah. it was a pro it was a big problem. Yeah. And it was, it was stemming. I mean, that's not an excuse that's fucked up and it is yeah. not okay. Right. But it was stemming from like. They, their, their earnest desire, and this, this is a big theme in my book, their earnest desire for God, mm -hmm. for truth and for love and for connection mm -hmm. and for some sense of the infinite mm -hmm. was, there was a, an amendment stapled to that, right. that also got passed, which was your sexuality is evil. Yes. And so I'm not, again, I'm not excusing it, Yeah. but I mean, there's a reason why you would see um, I don't even like the word perversions, but you would see some of that behavior. Yeah. And, and again, I didn't know that guy. That was, that was just a story. It also is kind of something that I think might stem from the, you know, the idea that in order to, to access that connected, eternal love, um, squishy, awakened place, uh, which would be like a he heaven realm. Hmm. You have to disregard your body, cut off from your body. That is a place that lives outside of your body. Right. And you have to deny your body in order to get there. As opposed to this quote from Buddha, <laughs> which I've been really going back to because I couldn't believe um, how just in line it was, which is, there is one thing that when cultivated and regularly practiced, leads to spirit, deep spiritual intention, to peace, to mindfulness, and clear comprehension, to vision and knowledge, to a happy life here and now, and to the culmination of wisdom and awakening. And what is that one thing? It is mindfulness centered on the body. Wow. So it's just the difference of like getting to that heaven realm through your body. Very in line. You know yeah. why? Why? He was enlightened. Enlightened. He was enlightened. He, he achieved enlightenment. Um, I love that. So I think we we primed this perfectly. If I can just read this, please. I'd love it. Um, so actually, before I read the, well, I'll read this first. So here's the Audrey Lord quote: "For once, we begin to feel deeply all the aspects of our lives." We begin to demand from ourselves and from our life pursuits that they feel in accordance with that joy which we know ourselves to be capable of. Our erotic knowledge empowers us, becomes a lens through which we scrutinize all aspects of our existence, forcing us to evaluate those aspects honestly in terms of their relative meaning within our lives. And this is a grave responsibility projected from within each of us, not to settle for the convenient, the shoddy, the conventionally expected, 
nor the merely safe. Hmm. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Um, And then I just wanted to read, so just some of these. So Lord describes the erotic as touching into a feminine plane within each of us. Although she speaks about the sexual degradation of women connected to devaluing the, the devaluing of erotic knowledge, this is not only about gender. It's also not not about gender. Um, and then this is the quote from Audre Lorde. On the one hand, the superficially erotic has been encouraged. Yeah, sorry. On the one hand, the superficially erotic has been encouraged as a sign of female inferiority. On the other hand, women have been made to suffer and to feel both contemptible and suspect by virtue of its existence. So it's just that like that way that the patriarchy and the diminishing the diminishing of the feminine traits like negatively affects all of us because it's taken this idea of eroticism not just in sexuality but in our lives the sensual um kind of off the table Mm. and then okay this is the last one it's just so good i want to read you this whole book um okay so she says it's clearly not only about the sexual and it is not not about the sexual to state the very obvious sex is a powerful force in our lives belonging inevitably becomes entangled in the ideas about sex and the erotic for many years, I confused being desired with be, with belonging and having a lot of sex with the erotic. Lord describes how the degradation of the erotic in sex leads to a type of sex that is about the imprisonment of the male gaze, what she refers to as the pornographic. So that's basically what I was saying is, um, you know, it... The porn, I love like pornographic in that term. Mm. It's just like, it's like, it's the opposite of liberation. Well, that that's what makes it interesting to me. Yeah, it's like if we're in the pursuit of freedom, mm-hmm. internal freedom, spaciousness, spiritual freedom. I don't want to have like rigid, hard boundaries per se. Yeah, because we were saying, oh, there, there's a good experience here, and there's, but so often it felt like an imprison an imprisoning yeah. sort of case. That being said, remember somebody reached out and said we were too hard on the poly community? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Did you want to address that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I wrote him back. He was oh, you did? Very, yeah, it was a very friendly... He did, he did say it very nicely. And if we did on the last episode sound too negative... Yeah. I really thought it was a safe thing to rant about because we were saying almost kind of tongue-in-cheek how lame we are Mm -hmm. that we're not like adventurous it's just not that interesting to me yeah i really think like almost like designing a video game character Mm -hmm. there's like how much do you value this and how much do you value that and like sex was like lower on the list for me yeah and i'm not saying sex is like higher on the list for poly people but like that type of adventure let's say seems to be a higher priority for some people and I don't, you don't need my blessing, but of course I understand that. Yeah. And it is just for different phases in, in life. But I think actually he didn't, he wasn't specific, but I think he was actually referring to the thing that I said about the conversation that I had with a friend where I was saying it's harder, potentially harder to, um, you know, like give the universal type of unconditional love 
to multiple people than it is to just lock on one person, Mm. uh, just based on energy and resources. Um, but yeah, I don't know what I, I, I mean, I also know that, that there are some people and I've heard like arguments for, um, polyamory that makes so much sense where it's like putting no limits on any love. So then there's just so much more, so much more. It's that sort of like, it's not a finite resource. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I believe that. And the argument against what I said is so obvious. It's like, well, if you have two children, do you, does your love expand or does it, right. do you limit, you know, my thing was always like, yeah, and having two children is a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, again, I'm all for it. You don't need my blessing, but you have it. And yes. I believe in it. And I not that you need this, but I respect it completely. And I think I understand it as well as I can. Yeah. And the two kids, that's a lot of diapers and a lot of, you know what I mean? There's just yeah. a lot. And that's where I go out. I, the, the friends that we have that we've known mm-hmm. that have been polyamorous, I'm always just like, I can't, he they, he laughed so hard when I said this. I was like, let's see, I had sex with her, and I think I, we did this move. Did I do that move with her? Like, <laughs> like just the check balancing of it is just overwhelming to me. But that also speaks to our life as parents. Yes. We're saying that's just not interesting to us. Yeah, 23 hours a day. I really feel like I have one deep hour of sleep and 23 hours a day. I'm thinking about my daughter and I'm thinking about you. Yes. We are in such a nesting phase where we don't even have friends. Yeah. Yeah. Where it just forget about other lovers. I'm trying to make time to go on a walk with a friend. Yes. Never mind a 69 with Brittany. (laughs) Uh, We're, we're like making it worse. Uh, No, I, I don't I hope we're. I really want to be clear that like there are times when it's made sense in my life, and like polyamory was like this is a of course this is the truth. This is so valid, um, and we just are kind of enjoying in a funny way. Like why that isn't the case for us right yeah. now. Listen to the podcast in 2010. I know. That's what I was going to say. If you listen to the podcast in 2010, <laughs> I can't stop advocating polyamory. Yes. I was never in multiple relationships at, at once, but I was fascinated with it. Yeah. I had a stand-up bit about it where I just basically made, made the case very uncomfortably to a lot of people on dates that it was ridiculous, that we were all living a lie, yeah. that it was not natural. Yeah. And the bit included the line, if you have ears to hear. I only <laughs> said it once. But it was so pretentious and up my own ass. And I had other poly comics come up to me and they were like, that's a great bit. Yeah. And they were like, I wish I was doing that bit. I can't even remember that bit. Yeah. It, but it, it was a very good time in my life because I noticed what I identified at that time was this anger, this hostility I had for other men, Uh which was when I walked down, I was in New York, I was walking down the street and I just noticed not subconsciously, but in the lower levels of my conscious mind, every man I saw, I was either labeling a threat or not a threat to me in terms of reproducing my genes. Yeah. Which is like, he could steal my girlfriend. I don't have to worry about him. Yeah, and that's a byproduct of possession. Absolutely. And that was, that was, now I'm remembering the bit. It, mm-hmm. it had a part where it was like, you can't own a person. Like, this is, yeah. this is a lie. It's so funny. Like, everything sort of is a lie, and you have to pick the areas that you want to tear down. Well, that's what I was just going to say is like, 
polyamory, it seems, in in my experience, polyamory and monogamy both have their own pretty equal set, but, but different sets of pros and cons. And you really are just choosing which which, which one ones, works for you. Yeah, work for you. And like both of us are, I think what we enjoy and what we think is so funny is that we're both like, God, it just seems like the the type of effort efforting um it poly, in polyamory seems just so not worth it to us at this point i think but i also, the subject is, this footnote is we're exhausted we're just exhausted and that seems like so much energy yeah uh but of course the, there's a type of efforting in monogamy that just is working for us now and it's worth it but i totally understand how somebody could be like it it's takes, dogs and cats again yeah and it's that and yeah, totally and i understand the argument of people being like you know look i've been with the same person for 20 years it's a different type of exhausting right <laughs> to not indulge in these these right. things i think what the if if monogamy is the dogs and polyamory is the cats i think one of the things that f- probably frustrates the cats is that we live in a world where dogs are the norm yeah so sure. you benefit like if everybody was polyamorous and we were monogamous, yeah, that and we were the outlier, yeah, it would probably be frustrating to have to explain over and over and over, yeah. why we're doing this weird sort of kinky thing. Like you only do each other. That's so weird. Yeah. Why? What about other people? You fucking psycho. Somebody used you to perv. Have, oh my god! I wish I remembered. Somebody used to have a great bit about that. That it was like really kinky to be monogamous like oh, like wow. it's like almost a See, bdsm thing. it is yeah it is Perfect. i wish i could remember Sorry. oh and you wear rings yeah and this it's person's it. mine it's like the kinkiest thing wasn't max silvestri it might somebody be. somebody it is you know, kinky but, yeah this is again like marriage is kinky i i michael gunger's podcast is called loving this and he just put out i haven't heard it but we talked about it and he put out this episode about how the church is very kinky even though i haven't heard it see i'll (laughs) recommend a book on a forward i know michael and he's very interesting so check that out if if you if you're nasty if you're nasty if you're nasty i have are we doing questions because i have a great one what is a time in your this is from adam copeland he said what is a time in your life when you felt like you needed guidance or advice um, oh, every day. <laughs> uh, I do love advice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've covered that ad nauseum. Um, but I would say when I got divorced, I remember really going around and asking so many people, what am I supposed to do mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've covered a lot of these. I, I, the one that I don't share is you get bad advice too. Bad for me. Mm. Somebody said to me verbatim, we were in Rafifi, which was a comedy club on the East side. And he said, yeah, just do a lot of cocaine. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. But Never I mean, take advice in Rafifi. I yeah, mean, that's funny. Now, but, but, um, you got lots of different advice. And I do, I've said this before, but Brett, Brett Gelman and John Daly both were like, you did it. You got through your 20s without any major fuck up. So, like, you happen to have been married, yeah. but that's what incubated you from yeah. being arrested or, 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 or dying or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, so, that was really good advice. Yeah. I think that the same for me. I mean, there's, I really, we both, 
love to flap our gums and give advice, unsolicited advice, although I think we're getting better about that. I mean, we get all that energy out in this podcast. Yeah. Um, but I, we also both love getting good advice. Dr. Gary Penn, I, so I much mean, advice. So much of the advice that we give other people is the advice that other people gave us, even if it's just indirectly through their books or Absolutely. Um, but I definitely needed it when I was getting divorced, too. I, I remember when I... It was the first time I ever saw a therapist and and I went and saw a therapist and said I she said why are you here and I said because I don't know what the right decisions for my own life are. Mm. And I like I really think at that point still I really believed that everybody else knew better than I did. So I was just like and the subtext, which it took us about a year to uncover, was me saying, I don't, I am unhappy in my marriage and I want to leave, but I don't trust myself to know whether or not that's the best decision. Well, that was Dr. Gary Penn's, I started seeing him when I was in a very difficult relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, yeah, yeah. And... of our discussions were him telling me it was okay to leave the person that I was with, even though it's funny that you say this. It's like learning to trust your own intuition. And as Ramdas would say, cleaning up your game, meaning if there are all these cobwebs of other people's agendas, bad programming from your parents, bad programming from your uh, culture, bad programming from your religion, if you can clear those things out and really get as naked as a pear, <laughs> the fruit, the pear, if you can be as pure and naked and honest as a pear, then you really can trust your intuition. And then you can really learn to love yourself, too. Yeah. The great epiphany that so many people have on psychedelics or through meditation or whatever it might be is that they look outward for love and they look outward for affirmation They think being popular will make them happy. They think being successful will make them happy. And the great mystic teachers and the great mystic teachers that are psychedelics and the great mystic practices that are fasting, meditating, prayer, whatever it might be, always point you inward. And Mm -hmm. when you bask in that, that eternal fountain, the fountain of youth isn't out there or the Holy Grail isn't out there. It's bubbling up from inside you. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that energy is love and that you are an expression of that love, Mm -hmm. you become less interested in the opinions of other people. Mm -hmm. And then you become less interested in the, in the advice that someone would give you that would help you please those other people. And then you can be a much more finely tuned instrument like a pair and just live your truth beautifully and honestly. And then advice becomes less interesting yeah because you learn to trust your own not your own inner compass meaning your rationality meaning like a perfect tree uh diagram that you can weigh the pros and cons and really trust your intellect to get you through things but you can rest in the hum of your being and know that you're okay no matter what and then your your relationship to advice changes Absolutely. And I would just like, as always, I f- how, how much of this podcast is you saying something like that and me being like, 
but it, it it's embodiment. Even what you're talking about is embodiment. Like so, sure. Not to say embodiment the care is, is in its body. Yeah, not to say that um, embodiment is the fix all. Although I think it, I'll have to get back to you on that. So far, <laughs> it is <laughs> uh, for me and my experience. But um, but if you are it, the, at the moment that I said to the therapist, I don't know how to make decisions for my own life. I wish she had, she was a great therapist, but I wish she had said, well, are you in your body? (laughs) Because I wasn't. So of course I was not connected to my intuition or my gut. Um, And that's what really you're talking about too, is like not rational knowledge, but a gut Right connection to your body and to the present moment and through that your spirituality. And your body being the house and the sensory vehicle to discover that inner energy. That's right. Yeah. It is your body. Absolutely. Um, I think there's something to the pear. <clears throat> when you cut into it, it's all just pure, juicy, white flesh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's one thing on the inside that's something I know, very pleasant. I like that. Yeah. Also, I, I would say that it's still, there is no shame um, in advice or guidance. And I think that that is even often the, a very wise thing to seek out. And then it plays a role, like your intuition still plays a role. So I guess what I'm saying is for this person or anybody, just because you need to seek advice or guidance doesn't mean that you're not embodied or even connected to your own intuition. I think go ahead and have, how many teachers do we have? We have so many teachers and therapists, like seek that guidance and then just run it through the filter of your own intuition and your own uh, um, gut. Yeah. Okay, this is a fun question. Can't wait. This is by Corinne. Courage and Clutter. What a great handle. Uh, Hi, Val and Petey. We got a Petey. Would you both talk a little about your wedding? My fiancé and I are one of those COVID couples planning a wedding for a second time. And I'm losing touch with why marriage matters to us and could use your wisdom. How did you make your decisions while planning and stay grounded and intentional? What actually mattered most in terms of where you allocated money? Like with yeah. what you decided. I love this question. I love talking about our wedding. I'm going to try not to. You did such to. a great job at our wedding. Thank you so much. I did do the bulk of it, not, not in like a... Um, uh, you know, gender normy way, but because I just love this kind of thing, it's it was well, like what's right, I was right? doing crashing, and also you were doing crashing. But I wouldn't have let you be any more involved than you were because I was so ex- I just was so excited to do it. I went um, to all the locations. I don't know why I'm being defensive. But you did. You did I, stuff. I, it's I, we not like drove you didn't to a lot of locations. I did a meetings. wedding planner. I would show you things. I don't. I, I didn't mean to sound <laughs> defensive. I, I just loved our wedding and I don't want it to say like the difference between my first and second wedding is so huge. I won't even talk about my first wedding. The second wedding, because I want you to answer this question in bulk. So I'll, I'll just get me out of the way here (laughs) was so special. I'm so glad I did it. Mm. Um, I've said this a million times, but we are liturgical creatures and ceremonies are a huge part of human history mm-hmm. and they're greater than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. The magic of sharing the feel, which Val uh, succeeded in doing in the vibe and the colors and the, 
and the music and everything. Even it wasn't fancy mm-hmm. of our wedding, um, and letting people in to witness it. That that to me was such a big part. Was being like, we know we're already committed to each other, mm-hmm. and now we're inviting our a very small amount of our family mm-hmm. and tons and tons of our friends to witness it mm-hmm. like an event, like mm-hmm. that something that they can say, you know, this hasn't happened, but if we hit the rocks or something, someone would be like, wait, I was at your wedding. You guys fucking love each other. Yeah. Like I remember that. And you know what? I remember that. Yeah. We do it for fun, but watching the wedding video yeah. reminds us of like this peak experience Yeah. and this commitment and the, the commitment is such a, ugh, but like a celebration yeah. is what it was. There is no denying like you couldn't, which a lot of people do. And I think maybe I have even done at times with my, my first marriage, but like you rewrite the history of being like, we never even really loved each other or whatever. Right. And like, you could not even look at the photos from our wedding That's sort and of- deny that. But certainly the people who were there who were like, no, we were, inside your love. And it's a gift you give other, not that this is why you should do it, but all the married couples that were there felt renewed. Like they shared that with us. Like, and and when you go to a good wedding, you feel renewed. Yeah. So it's, it's taking this private thing and making it this interconnected thing, which always feels great. The point of life is connection one of the reasons we do this podcast is to connect with you guys, mm-hmm. to have these ideas and these thoughts and your thoughts spread. Yeah. We talked about this last week, that isolation is worse than heart disease. It's worse than o- morbid obesity. It's worse than all these diseases combined. Yeah. It's not what we're supposed to do. So as with everything, a relationship can so benefit from taking that well water and and watering your friends and family with it, and and wa- and letting it spill out and be abundant. It's, yeah. it's a it's a that's the spirit that I remember from our wedding. Oh, I love that. Um, it was a geyser. <laughs> it was a it was a geyser of well water. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. I um, yeah, I want to start, of course, by saying getting married is not for everybody. And even the the percentage of people that getting married is for having a wedding is not for everybody. So, like, no shame. You do you to everybody else out there. Um, Like, we're all unique beings and we all need different things. But we can speak to what our experience was, which is what this question was asking. Um, And we did go back and forth for a a period of time where we were like, do we want to get married at all? And then if we do, once we kind of decided that we did want to get married, we're like, do we elope to Bora Bora? Remember, that was one of the options. No. Well, that was. and, And like, do we have... Or do we just like do something really small in our backyard? That was another option. Yeah, um, we were just very like when you're st- friends with clergy, like the options open up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I w- the I don't. I guess you don't remember, but really, truly, one of the options that uh, that we deeply considered was you and me and Rob and Kristen go to Bora Bora, have Rob a vacation, and, yeah. and Rob Bell marries us while we're there, and yeah. it was just a trip. Um, so we really explored all of the options and ultimately the reason why 
we decided to have a wedding was exactly what you just said was the idea we felt like we and still feel like we've found this really remarkable and rare thing this well, that, like it's funny cuz that's what it is it's like if your love is a beautiful pony <laughs> let the p- pony prance around and delight that people that pony's ass and let it run let everybody spend <laughs> but you you know what's a better analogy is it's a big circus tent. Yeah. Let everybody come into the tent. Yes. That's what it felt like. So your love is a third thing. Yes. So it's not the Pete and Val show. It's the energy and the love created by Pete and Val. Yes. That later manifested as Lila. But before that, the marriage, the wedding was this great precursor going like, come on in. It's nice in here. Yeah. Like, and that's what the vows are. This is how we talk to each other. Yeah. This is how we think about our love. This is what the music is. This yeah. is what the food is. And it wasn't fancy. I can't stress that enough. Like, yeah. if you're thinking we had some, like, Hollywood wedding, we didn't. No. It was casual. People had to carry their own chairs I from the wedding I was very area. determined about that. So that goes back to allocating money. Uh, I was so specific on, it was like, do you want the chairs for the ceremony, you, you know, and then like 2000 more dollars on chairs for the table when the tables were 200 feet from where the ceremony was. Yeah. And it was like, no, I want everybody to pick up their chair and bring it to the table. I was very clear about that. And then, you know, what's fun about the times we live in is that sort of has this like great bluegrass, like people like that. Yeah. And the, the, our wonderful videographers and photographers got, a, so it's a part of our wedding video, people carrying chairs and carrying chairs for other people. And I was like, thank you so much for getting that moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah. videographers that'll make a montage too. You don't want to watch your whole wedding. You just want to watch the hits. Oh yeah. Any, any like photographer, usually the photographers do video too. And any of them worth their salt will make like a beautiful video out of it. It's we're gone are the eighties days where it's just like a, you press play and people are like walking in. Um, but, but yeah, so, so really we just, I was like, for me, I loved. Well, I will. I will also say the main um, thing for me too was all of that lovely stuff I just said, and also I am never happier or more aligned than when I am at a dance party with all of my friends. <laughs> so dancing was a huge reason why we even had a wedding in the first place. Yeah, and um, and then I loved the challenge and the. Um, the like purpose of creating an environment and a whole event and evening that looked like our love. Like it was like an artistic challenge to be like, can I make something with, with decorations and music? And literally you made them. Yeah. And I made, I did like most of the decorations I made out of like felt and fabric. Um, Can I make something that is like, taking this most beautiful part of my life and just kind of putting it, making a whole event that looks like that and then inviting my friends into it. So it was Fantastic Mr. Fox themed. Yeah, it was like, it was inspired by Fantastic Mr. Which Fox. Which is one of my favorite movies. It was one, yeah, it was one of our movies. And then it's so fun to think now that like, It's one Leela, of Lee's favorite yeah. movies. Yeah, I know. Um, and so anyway, that was like our reasons for wanting to do that. It, and you'll find your own, to this person, you'll find your own reasons. I hope some of those resonate. Um, but of course, planning a wedding can be so stressful. 
You are not alone. Our wonderful friend Jamie Lee actually has a whole Netflix show coming out about how stressful it can be. Um, Is it called Ridiculous? No, I think it's called The Wedding Coach. The Wedding Coach. Um, it looks amazing, and I think so many people are going to be relate to it because so many people, they're re- it's like almost this like final test in the relationship. Like if we can make it through planning a wedding, then we're ready to get married. Right. Um, but cer- certainly, if you got a pandemic into that, oy vey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as far as like what you pri- prioritize in terms of where you allocate money, um. Well, well, yeah, I'll go back to that question. For me, the number one thing that I was like, I don't care how much this costs, we will make cuts in other ways, um, was getting a phenomenal wedding planner because I knew that that would affect everything. So um, we found one. Her name's Marnie Farmer. Her... her um, her like not handle, but her company is called So Smitten. So if you're in the LA area, I can't recommend her enough. Um, and because we spent a, a lot of money, <laughs> she has different tiers, and we just got the the most expensive tier uh, because it's the most involvement. And because we were able to do that, everything else in the whole wedding process went so smooth. And, it was um, really nice. Have, it's like a producer it's yeah. for people that work in showbiz. It's like having a great line producer that makes sure everything's okay. Yeah, they even like I, it helped telling guests where to go, and I don't know. They and, help with everything. And when I say wedding planner, I'm not just talking about a wedding coordinator, which is somebody that you have on the day. Like I, the first thing I did was, well, we found a venue, but the first thing you can do is hire this person and they will help you find a venue and they will help you get cater- caterers and they know what is like a ripoff, what things to consider. I would get emails from her, which were like, we have to, uh, I'm, I'm emailing all of these people to see who's going to provide the, the water. Is it going to be the venue or is it going to be the caterers? And I'm like, yep, I, people would just be without water if this was up to me. Mm. I would never in a million years consider that. Um, or I'd see her. <laughs> okay. Hilarious. <laughs> so, just went by. Yeah. So I, and that goes back to the first question, which is how did you make your decisions while staying grounded and intentional? I ran everything through the filter of, is this worth the stress? Because if it's it's putting too much strain and too much stress, drop it. That is not what this is about. And I and kept, that, one, that one with the guest list, too, by the way. Absolutely. My and, first wedding was like, of course, my third cousin or what you know. And the second one was like, mom, dad, brother. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Well, there were so many. And then the rest was just pals. It was awesome. That's right. Well, we also had um, the, the pleasure of this being our second wedding, which I would, for both of us, which I would just recommend everybody do their first wedding like a As second if it's wedding. it's your second wedding, yeah. Which is. It's for you. It's for you. So Everybody's going to try and guilt you. It's about your dying Aunt Rita. It's like, I'm sorry, it's not. It's about the people in our life. Yeah. That we want to actively, are in our life, that actively support our relationship and we support them. I know there's different schools of thought on that, but it felt really good that every photo I look at, I don't have to be like, and that is actually my great, great (laughs) second aunt 
Janono. <laughs> Uh, good old Aunt Janono. Um, yeah, we when we did the guest list, we we really like went through with a fine tooth comb, and we're like, we are only inviting people that w- when we imagine seeing them on our wedding day, we're like, you came, and we're like excited to see them, and we really even more than that only invited people who like we felt knew us as a couple. Yeah, so. Um, there were some cuts, like there were people that I wanted to invite that I didn't invite, but it, it often came down to like, do they know Pete and Val? It yeah. wasn't just like, yeah, yeah. And um, and then of course you brought up a great point. So much of what the stress from weddings comes down to is like family feeling that they are owed a certain, um, or even friends feeling that they are owed a certain title or level of involvement or whatever and people just for some reason love to make weddings all about them and um and use that they're paying for it to like get their way yeah if they're paying for it that does make it way harder i I would say get married in your backyard before you let somebody lord anything over you yeah your big day yeah if somebody's paying for your wedding um and they're using Make sure it. that they're the type of person that will not use that against you. Yeah. Um, and my parents paid for my first wedding, and they didn't do that. But they, uh, the trouble is that we are at like a generational break here, where the generation before us, it was like your parents pres- are presenting their daughter to be wed to this man and they make the guest list and they do everything that's right it's a part it's like a bar mitzvah it's they they there were so many of my dad's friends that like he was worried they would be offended yeah and then they're there they don't want to be there that shit's over yeah there's so many bits seinfeld has a bit about no one wants to go to your wedding (laughs) that's the old way yeah just fill it with people if you can i i couldn't my first time but if you can I think it would be worth losing the ice cream cookie sandwich truck so you can do it with people like our first intent. It's like you could do it. The tone and the feel and the spirit of it, Mm -hmm. I think, is way more important than uh, making sure it looks great on Instagram or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. So I really think that the um, yeah, it's it's so important, I think, to have support and planning and to be very picky about who you invite because that affects the vibe so much. And there, it's really tough to have these boundaries. I honestly don't know why it was so easy for me. I think because I have, in general, a really great family. Uh, not in general. I do have a really great family uh, that didn't push it too much. But uh, also, if you kind of put out this vibe of like, hey, we're doing this however we want to do it. Um, for this one day, it's going to be all about us. And, uh, like, I'm, I'm so sorry if that hurts your feelings. You can ruin every Thanksgiving from here on out. <laughs> yeah. Like, as you have been. Yeah. This will just be about us. Yeah. Um, and once you start putting out that vibe, most people will get the idea. But, um, yeah, just just keeping the center around. And, and then a mantra that I told myself sometimes when it got stressful was, like, you know, there was a whole thing about, oh, do we want real silverware or this bamboo silverware? And, of course, it was going to be the difference between a lot of money. And I don't know why I had it on my 
like it mattered that it was real silverware. And then it was just like, wait a minute. (laughs) The point of this is that we are married at the end of it. And it just put everything into perspective. Mm, so that's beautiful. Yeah. So I think so. Bamboo, it is, baby. And it was bamboo, and we still have those bamboo forks in our. And if you can get an ice cream truck, that's that's a nice touch. People love an ice cream truck. People love a taco truck, which is not a, very expensive. Um, and then really be for me, music is really important, especially for setting a vibe. So be particular about your music. That's what I would say. Okay. Enough wedding talk. Enough. I went on and on. I couldn't stop. No, I I love it. I'm just thinking of people who don't give a shit. (laughs) I don't have any more questions. Do you? Me neither. Oh, okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love you, Mama. I love I, thinking about our wedding. I know. I love it too. It's it really was exactly what we wanted it to be. It was so worth it. Um, I have a really great poem that yeah, I read remember the poem. I was going to read last week, and then you read that beautiful thing, which a lot of people reposted. By the way, the like eat more ice cream. I saw that. Um. Here we go. Okay. So this is called. Below Our Strangeness by Mark Nepo. My soul tells me we were all broken from the same nameless heart, and every living thing wakes with a piece of that original heart aching its way into blossom. This is why we know each other below our strangeness. Mm. Why when we fall, we lift each other, or when in pain, we hold each other. Why when... When sudden with joy, we dance together. Life is the many pieces of that great heart loving itself back together. Read that last one again. Life, that part? Life is the many pieces of that great heart loving itself back together. I love that. Oh, right? This is so good. It reminds me, it's right there on the post-it. God comes to us disguised as our lives. Yeah, and just like we... Things are so hard and have been so hard for so long and just remembering that we help each other mm. and we, the fact that we can feel sad for someone and, or we can feel happy for someone and celebrate with them or that when you see somebody who needs something, you have an urge to help them. These are all signs that point to that this is not a cruel reality, mm. that even though this is a hard reality, it's not malicious or cruel. There's goodness that is a through line through all of it. Mm. What a beautiful note to end on. Thanks. Mama with the flourish. <laughs> Mama with the flourish. Have you heard Beyonce's new uh, new uh, <laughs> joint? <laughs> Mama with the flourish? No. Oh. <laughs> it's called Jay, get the car, I'm ready to go. <laughs> oh, my God. Jay, get the car, I'm ready to go. She's so good, I can't even imitate her. Yeah. She's unimitable. That's right. Thank you, Mama. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your questions. We love them. Uh, We love this community. Thank you for all of your thoughtful responses and your loving messages. We love all of them. And we hope wherever you are, you're doing wonderful, filled with light and love and hope and joy. And eat the hot dog mindfully. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Wink, 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 (laughs) wink, wink, wink. Keep it crispy. I saw Christmas. I saw Christmas. My ass game. I don't want to win. I'm so crispy. 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 I'm
Crispy. My ice can't make you haters wanna get mad. Keep it so crispy.